Well, the Huskies are the Pac-12 champs, and they're the number two seed in the four-team college football playoff. And the committee across the board got it right. You are Locked On Pac-12, your daily podcast on the Pac-12 Conference. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Locked On Pac-12. I'm your host, Spencer McLaughlin. Thank you so much for making this your first listen or your first view of the day post-college football playoff rankings reaction. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day, and your number one source to stay up to date with our media rights and soon to be mostly team-free, but until then, beloved and loaded and college football playoff bound conference of champions like comment subscribe rate review please and thank you wherever you listen to or watch this show which is indeed brought to you by FanDuel and make every moment more that's what you can do at FanDuel right now new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet that's 150 bucks if your team wins visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to get started this was a very impromptu episode i hadn't planned to do anything but then there were just so many things to talk about about the pac-12 so I think the committee got it right. 100% got it right. And everyone is so upset. I mean, first of all, Washington being number two, I'm going to get to why they had a case to be number one. Uh, I'll, I'll get to that a little bit later in the show. But everyone is debating right now, did the committee get it right? Should Florida State have been in? Should this, that, and the other thing? The answer is yes. The college football playoff committee 100% got this right. Not everyone's going to share that opinion, and that's okay. Reasonable people can disagree. But the narrative is going to be, well, Florida State didn't have a chance to play for a national championship. That is patently false. That is patently false. I believe, in spite of the Jordan Travis injury, Florida State, in the last two weeks, was playing for the right to show it's a national championship caliber team. And without Jordan Travis there, it's pretty clear that they're not. That defense is nasty. The offense without him there is pathetic. I mean, horrible. <laughs> like, your best play against Louisville was the Wildcat. Yeah, try that against Michigan. You're going to have a score that resembles Iowa. And so the best example that demonstrates why Florida State did have a chance to play for a national championship is Ohio State in 2014, who lost, I think it was JT Barrett, and Cardale Jones stepped in. You know what they did to Wisconsin with Cardale Jones starting in the conference championship game? They beat the Badgers 59 to nothing, 59 to nothing. They had one loss and the committee put them in because they were the Big Ten champion and they demonstrated that despite losing a key player, they were still capable of playing at a championship level. And guess what? They went on to win the national championship. Florida State had the opportunity without Jordan Travis to show we can still play at the level that we showed earlier in the season, even without our most important offensive player. And guess what? They clearly can't. They struggled with a Florida team that is not bowl eligible. They played a good but not great Louisville team, and it was ugly. They didn't score a touchdown in the first half. I think that when you look at the four-team playoff, why this was done correctly is, in my view, it should be a combination of the best and most deserving teams. And that is what we have a combination of the two. If Florida State had gone on to beat Louisville 28-3 to even, 
I'd say Florida State is in. And I think they would have gotten in if they'd, you know, looked better than they did. But that was an ugly football game. It looked like something out of the Big Ten West. So I think that the committee did the right thing and said that team as currently constructed is not a championship level team, which we all know to be true. And they had a chance to showcase that they were without Jordan Travis, and they're clearly not. They're clearly not. Whereas Alabama wins the SEC, no, it was not particularly impressive. It's not the most impressive Alabama resume. I'm not going to argue with you there. You know how I know the committee knows that too? They're the four seed. They didn't get to leapfrog Texas because they lost to them at home by 10 points. They are ranked behind Washington because they had a loss and played some ugly games. And Washington had a couple games that were not particularly impressive as well, except for, you know, the Pac-12 championship where they played, I thought, their best game of the year. So I think the committee got it right. No one wants to see Florida State, and I don't think that Florida State earned the right to be in that playoff with the way they performed against one good and one below-average football team. They did not play well enough. If they had, if they had dominated those two games, I think Florida State would have been in. If Jordan Travis stays healthy, Florida State would be in and Alabama would be out. And that's what should have happened in that scenario. But this was the right move from the committee. So they put Washington at number two. And I think that Washington at number two, I understand it. I think there is an argument they should be number one. Now, do Washington fans want that? I have no idea. Let me know in the comments section or hit me up on Twitter at Smalls underscore 55 or at LO underscore Pac-12. DMs and mentions wide open. But I think in the conference championship game, Michigan played well. I actually almost nailed that score down to the letter, correct, or number, I suppose. My prediction was 27 to 0 Michigan. It was 26 to 0 Michigan. Washington's win was more impressive. Because Oregon is a much better team than Iowa. I was really impressed with Washington in that game. And I know the Husky fans are, are enjoying, you know, dancing on Oregon's grave here and everything like that. And I get it. Like they've, they've definitely earned that because Washington is the better team. That much is clear. That was the best game Washington has played this season, without a doubt. I mean, I mean without a doubt. Their offense looked like the offense from the early portion of the season, and their defense played phenomenally well. They still gave up over 30 points. Yeah, it turns out Oregon's got a really good offense. But the way that Washington's defense started that football game, it was the best performance I've seen from that unit all year. Did they pressure Bo Nix a ton? No, not, not a ton. I thought some, but it was the secondary. The way that the secondary was playing against Oregon's wide receivers, Troy Franklin and Tez Johnson, was really good. And the way they tackled in space, they bottled up Bucky Irving. And Oregon has done a great job this year running the football of getting their running backs one-on-one with DBs, corners and safeties. And Washington's DBs tackled better than they have in any of the three matchups between the Ducks and Huskies over the last couple of years. They, they were really, really good tackling in space. And that's something you have to do against Oregon. Because their offense is, is constructed to get guys the ball in space in one-on-one situations, and Washington tackled really well. And so the question for Washington will be, are they going to be able to play against against Texas the way they played against Oregon? Because if they do, yeah, I think they can win that football game, though Texas is really, really good. Washington's an underdog there, which probably not a surprise to Husky fans. I think it opened at 5.5. It's moved to 4.5, so a lot of early money there on, on Washington. It's a lot of points. 
Um, not as many as nine and a half, of course. So we know that Washington can overcome that uh, and it doesn't matter and probably works to their advantage. I, I, I think that Washington being such a big underdog in that Pac-12 championship game absolutely played right into their hand because they were the undefeated team. They were scraping by. Oregon was rolling. And then all of a sudden, Washington's got the bigger chip on their shoulder. And that's the way the game looked. Washington just came out and they were the better football team start to finish. So I think that Washington had a pretty strong case to be number one. And I'll tell you why. After I tell you about FanDuel, of course, because that's America's number one sports book. And as the weather gets colder, the NFL offers stay hot on FanDuel. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150 if your team wins. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app is super easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. If you're all into Washington and think that they're being underestimated again in Vegas, you know, they're this year's TCU and Vegas just doesn't know how to handle them. Well, you can go bet it over at FanDuel. The line's down to four and a half points. Washington getting four and a half points. If you like it, you can go bet it. Go to FanDuel.com slash locked on, kick off the NFL season and get your college football gambling fix on as well. FanDuel official partner of the NFL. Okay, so the reason that I think Washington had a case to be number one, I, I'm not upset with Michigan being number one. I don't think Husky fans really are either. I think the argument was there, but I understand where the committee is coming from. So if you're looking at the totality of Michigan's schedule, also, I think it works out for Washington. I'd rather play Texas than Alabama. I would. I'd, I'd, I'd rather go up against Steve Sarkeesian, who Washington beat last year in the Alamo Bowl, I would rather go up against them than against uh, than against Nick Saban in this sort of spot. Just my particular viewpoint. But Michigan's resume does not have a bunch of great wins on it. But in the games in which they're supposed to win big, they did. Right. So their non-conference schedule is an abomination to college football and reflective of what I have said for many years, really since I started hosting the show, really since I became a, a sportscaster. College football scheduling is completely backwards, it is messed up, and it needs a centralized governing body because it's the biggest issue in the sport. So their non-conference slate, look, listen to these behemoths. East Carolina, UNLV, Bowling Green, all these games are at home, not that it would matter. So they dominate in those games. And then they play Rutgers, and they dominate 31-7, Nebraska 45-7, Minnesota 52-10, Indiana 52-7, Michigan State 49-0, Purdue 41-13. Okay, so that is not inherently a difficult lineup of games to play. However, if you are a dominant great football team as Michigan is, that's what that score lineup should look like. So they deserve credit for that. Penn State is a good team. Ohio State is a really good team. Ohio State's obviously better than Penn State. We saw that. But so they beat Penn State on the road by nine. They beat Michigan at home by six. And then they play Iowa and they win 26 to nothing, right? And I think that that sort of win put them, you know, into that number one slot because that's a dominant win against the then 16th ranked team. When you look at Washington's resume, however, there is a pretty solid argument that it's stronger. So first of all, the Pac-12 is a better and deeper conference than the Big Ten. I don't know that that is even arguable. Oregon State with Jonathan Smith and everybody there against Iowa. Who are you taking in that one? 
I'll go with the beast. <laughs> Heck, I might take Utah to beat Iowa in, in that particular matchup. But Washington, through the early portion of the season, was as dominant as you could be. And I think the, the difference here and why this stuff does matter and didn't come back to bite Washington, of course, because they beat Oregon twice and have earned the right to be in the college football playoff. I think the difference is that Michigan has more dominant wins than Washington does. Nine-point win against Stanford, eight-point win against Arizona State, seven-point win against then 18th-ranked Utah, two-point win against Oregon State. Those are a lot of quality wins, particularly Utah and Oregon State. And Washington, of course, deserves credit for all of that. But I think the argument is, well, you know, Michigan was more consistently dominant. I understand that. However, Oregon is a better team than Penn State. I think Oregon is really good and Washington is just better. And having beaten Oregon twice gives Washington some credibility to the idea that, hey, we should be number one. And Michigan only had to beat Ohio State once. And Washington beat Oregon twice. I think at the very least, Oregon and Washington rankings-wise, that's a wash, and Oregon is above Penn State. So if you're talking about quality wins, I think Washington has more of them. That's the argument for them to be number one. The argument for Michigan is they were more dominant in their conference championship game, though they were playing a much worse team. Iowa is significantly worse than Oregon. They, I mean, they literally cannot score the football. It's crazy. But which I don't really understand. It's like, how can you be so good defensively and have all the resources to compete at a high level and just not be able to score? It's it's wild. But anyway, so I, I think that Washington having beaten Oregon twice makes a pretty solid case. I think it was the close game against Washington State, who's a five and seven team. Close game against ASU's three and nine, and a close game against Stanford, who's also three and nine. I think those are the games that kind of did Washington in here from being number one. But I think Honestly, it might work out in their favor because I'd rather play Texas than Alabama. I know that Texas went into Tuscaloosa and beat Bama. I'm just talking from a coaching standpoint, though I think Sarkeesian's done a really good job with Texas and has built them into a really good college football playoff caliber and deserving team. Would you rather go, just say it out loud? Would you rather go up against Nick Saban or Steve Sarkeesian in a big game? I'm going to go with not the greatest coach in the history of the sport, but that's just me. Maybe Washington fans feel differently, but they could get another crack at Bama if, you know, going back to the 2016 college football playoff game uh, in, in uh, I think that was at the Sugar Bowl down in Georgia. So um, I, I, I just, I think Washington is in a good spot. I think they're in a good spot and they're a four and a half point underdog. So, that was a, a big talking point for Washington fans going into the game last week uh, against Oregon. And then Washington played by far their best game uh, of the season and proved, yeah, Washington's better than Oregon this year. Yeah, that's 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 pretty clear. And, you know, Oregon made a comeback in the game, but then Washington was able to, you know, re recover and get the win uh, at the end of it. And I, I mean, it was an outstanding football game. It really was. It, it was it was a fantastic football game I was joking with with Roman and for those who don't know I'm an Oregon fan and I was at the game but I was texting Roman who wasn't there and I said you know I kind of wish that I could just watch these games and not be a fan for a moment 
and not have a rooting interest. And he was like, dude, same. Because, <laughs> I mean, they are just highly competitive, high-stress games. Then in the middle of it, my boss, Zach Blackerby at Locked on Auburn, texts me and he goes, can Washington and Oregon play five times every year? And I said, no, my heart literally will not be able to take it. <laughs> like It's just, I think for Washington and Oregon fans, they've just been so high stress. We can only take two, two of those a year maximum. And, uh, you know, we got two of those this year, of course, and, and Washington won both times. But, man, they were fantastic football games. I, I, I think big picture with this playoff, it's going to be fantastic. I, I, mean, I really think it is going to be – I think it's a great couple of matchups. You've got this, the slugfest and the shootout. Bama against Michigan, that's going to be slugfest city. The over-under is like 46.5. The over-under in Texas and Washington is 64.5. Now, I think that these football games are going to be really good. I think they're great matchups. On, on the one game that's the slugfest, Michigan and Bama, you've got good but not great quarterbacks and great defenses. On the other side, you have Michigan or you have Washington and Texas. You have great quarterbacks and you have good defenses. I think Texas is is a little bit better than Washington's, but also I don't know that there is a wide receiver combo that is as clutch as Michael Penix and Roma Dunze. And I like Penix a little bit more than Quinn Ewers. Ewers was fantastic last week. I'm also here to tell you that Texas was playing Oklahoma State, and Oklahoma State is is not good. <laughs> they're they are one of the worst nine and four football teams I have ever seen. They they're I I just I cannot get behind them. They, them haven't been ranked this whole time. So patently ridiculous for 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 many many reasons. And like I get it because they've been winning games and results have to matter hundred percent. But Oklahoma State is not good. Washington was playing a much better football team. I think Oregon beats Oklahoma State by 14 to 20 points, like maybe more if if they play to their full potential. So I think that Washington's two wins over Oregon give them a legitimate case to be number one. I think it is better, though, that they end up at number two because I think Texas is a slightly better matchup than Alabama because what is Washington's great strength? They're wide receivers, right? Quarterback and wide receiver. What? Does Alabama do as well as anybody in the country have great corners and a great secondary? And I think that Texas's defense has played well at times this year. I think their strength is up front. I think Bama's strength, at least watching them against Georgia, is on the back end. So I I, I think this is a much better matchup for Washington. Second straight year, they'll play Texas in a bowl game. This one with slightly higher stakes and uh, Washington is a four and a half point underdog. So let's let's talk about why Washington is a four and a half point underdog. So the Huskies last week against Oregon were nine and a half point underdogs. And what that tells me is that Vegas actually liked Oregon more than Texas because they're going to be playing on a neutral field. And Washington just proved that they're better than Oregon and they can play at that sort of level. So I think the reason that Texas is favored over Washington in this game is the defense. I think that I, I think the odds makers like Texas's defense a little bit more than Washington's. And if you just look at the numbers from last week, they played a little bit better. They weren't playing as good of a team though, by you know, I, I think a pretty sizable amount. But 
I think that's the only really justifiable reason. Washington's won, what is it, 20 straight games now? They haven't lost since last year. They, they just continue to win football games. And I think situationally, and I talked about this going into the Pac-12 title game, a close game favors Washington, but if Oregon plays to their standard, then, then Oregon would win the game. Oregon did not, and Washington played exceptionally well. You had a close game, and guess what? That favored Washington again because they were able to execute in key situations. They are as good of a football team situationally as I have seen in, in the last couple of years in college football. I mean, their timely, their timely plays, their clutch moments, their execution in critical situations, it's one of their greatest. It might be their greatest strength, right? And it's rooted in, you know, Penix and the wide receivers. And, you know, I, I, I saw Michael Penix live at the game. He looked like himself again. You know, the interception, the missed throw to Jalen McMillan. Yeah, those were missed throws. But just because you're, you know, healthy doesn't mean that you're not still going to miss a couple throws. Those ones were certainly a bit odd. I, I mean, the interception less so because there was some pressure. The missed throw to Jalen McMillan made you think early in that game made you think, oh, boy, is he still not himself? No, he, he's he's himself again. He's himself again. And And by the way. I think the other advantage here is I, I saw someone point out, I don't even remember who it was, that Michael Penix in cold weather environments has not been as good as when the weather was warmer earlier this year or, or when he's in a climate-controlled setting. Well, he's going to be in either a warm environment or a climate-controlled setting. I don't remember if it's uh, the Rose Bowl. Let's see. They play Texas. No, they're in the Sugar Bowl. That's, that's a dome. So if there is anything to that, if there is anything to an injury or, or whatnot, I actually saw Penix uh, post game, super nice guy, shook his hand, told him he played a great game and it was, it was super, super nice, but he was, you know, getting ready to go in and do uh, media in the post game presser. And, you know, he just kind of said to somebody, man, I don't, I don't know why everybody thinks I'm hurt. Like I'm good. Well, he looked good. He, he, he certainly looks like himself. And if he plays that way, it's hard to not like Washington. Now, conversely, Quinn Ewers is very good. Quinn, Quinn Ewers is very good. I think what's so fun about this matchup is you have a couple of outstanding play callers. Steve Sarkeesian on one side and Ryan Grubb on the other. And, and by the way, I don't think I gave Grubb enough love when I was talking about Washington's performance earlier because their defense played as well as I've seen them play all season long. I was even texting Roman at Locked on Huskies, and he was like, what, who, is, who is this team? What is this? Where's it coming from? Well, they came through when they needed to in a big, big way. Ryan Grubb had an outstanding game. Washington was 10 of 15 on third down. And that's what I'm talking about. That was against a really good Oregon defense that had been great on third down this year that had been really, really good. And the game plan that Grubb came out with and the execution and key moments, it was all there. And Grubb, I think, you know, has really solidified that, you know, the Sugar Bowl, if Washington loses, will be his last game as Washington's head or offensive coordinator. And, you know, if they win, the national championship would be their last game. Because he's really good. He's really sharp. And, you know, now that Washington's in the playoff, too, I, I think that Grubb is, is going to be a, a head coach somewhere else. And I think he deserves that. I, I think he absolutely deserves that opportunity because he was really, really good. But I think the way that Quinn Ewers played last week, you know, even against an Oklahoma State team that isn't that good, he had 350 passing yards in the first half. I don't care who you're playing. That's insane. That is, that is absolutely positively insane. And he played really, really well. And, you know, Texas won't have to travel as far. I think that's another component of, of the underdog element to this game for Washington. But 
I've seen them win as an underdog before. They just did it as a much bigger underdog last week. So, yeah, they, they can absolutely uh, beat Texas. I, I don't have a prediction on that game yet. I think i got to talk to some Texas people and get an understanding of kind of where they're at, and I'll try to get our locked-on Texas guy here, here on the show. But one final thing, and I, I'm saying this matter-of-factly, not my personal opinion or what should happen or anything like that. Michael Penix is not going to win the Heisman Trophy. He played at a Heisman level in that game against Oregon, 100%. He was a big part of the reason they won. They're an undefeated Power 5 champion, 13-0. They beat Oregon twice. Like Penix has been insanely good. Insanely good. I do not believe that be, that, that Jaden Daniels, is, is going to have anything but a Heisman Trophy when he walks away from New York City next week or whenever the Heisman Trophy ceremony is because Jaden Daniels' numbers are crazy good. You don't have to agree. By the way, again, I'm saying this matter-of-factly. You do not have to agree with this particular thinking. I'm just telling you how this is going to go. Jaden Daniels this year will be the Caleb Williams of last year. His team is not in the playoff, but his numbers are so disgustingly good that he's going to win the Heisman Trophy. And it is reflective of something that I actually kind of like in that it's not just given to the best player on the best team anymore. I am frustrated that the committee or the Heisman voters in recent years have decided to move in that direction. It always should have been that way, but it hasn't always been that way. And I think back to Christian McCaffrey not getting the Heisman in 2015 because he wasn't playing on the best team, but he was the best player. And if you're talking statistically, Jaden Daniels has been better than Michael Penix this year, 100%. Penix has been better against good teams. But if you're talking holistically in the season, Daniels has better numbers. And so you can agree or not agree with that. But Jaden Daniels is going to win the Heisman Trophy. It probably would have been Bo Nix if Oregon had won. But guess what? He might get an invite to New York. I think it'll probably be those three. After Ohio State's lost to Michigan, I don't think Marvin Harrison Jr. doesn't even lead the country in receiving yards. Like he's not a Heisman finalist. So I think it'll be those three quarterbacks. And I think they'll give it to Jane Daniels because of the numbers. And I get it. You don't have to agree with it. That's the way it is. Appreciate everyone listening. I'll see you next time. Have a wonderful rest of your day.